Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. You are listening to our weekly class, Navigate and Master the Prayer Book, with Rabbi Cantor Hilary Chorney. Last week, we were able to do this review of our uh, of our Torah service and of the conclusion of services from this uh, from each weekday morning. And now we're going to dive back into the Torah service starting on page 65, do a little review of what we looked at last week and finish up that Torah service and we'll back up to hollow. So I'll screen share that now. Here we go. So here we are in the weekday service. As we talked about last week, we begin with Vayahi bin Soha Aron, which is the second paragraph of what we began with on a Shabbat or holidays, but everything's a bit tighter on weekdays. Same is true that on Shabbat and holiday mornings, we begin the Torah service by holding a Torah in our arms and chanting Shema and this line, Echad Elokeinu, and Godlu. Here, we only have Godlu. Okay, that's our one line. Then, non-COVID times, we march around with our Lecha Adonai HaGedula VeHagavura VeHatiferet. Uh, as we sing to God more praises as we walk around, we talked about that being a green light zone, right? Red light, yellow light, green light. Let's not talk. It's not really appropriate to talk. That's a big swath of shacharit. Yellow is kind of uh, whisper territory, like we talked about the repetition of the Amidah. And here we're in green light territory. People schmooze and chat and, oh, I didn't ha- find somebody yet to lift the Torah to do Hagba. Maybe you can do that. So we can talk out loud during that time. Page 66 already is the liturgy with which one of the two Gabayim, one of the two Gabbais, that's the two people standing at either side of the Torah table to guide and protect the Torah reader from making mistakes to help them along in the Torah reading. The Gabai Rishon, the first Gabai, has the job, the one who's standing to the left of the Torah reader or to uh, house right, stage left, um, from the Bima. That person is responsible for saying a bit of liturgy that leads up to calling up the person to the Torah for an aliyah. Last week, we walked the exact choreography and the liturgy of this. But basically, you offer your Hebrew name when you're called up for that aliyah. And then you say blessings, you recite blessings. These are the blessings that we recite that are found on the next page on page 67. The person who's leading who's uh, taking the honor, they read the Baruch line, Congregation responds, Baruch Adonai Hamvarach Leolam Vaed, and then the reader repeats that, and then does the first paragraph, pauses, listens to the Torah reading. Last week we talked about how appropriate it is to just stand there and watch when you're actually taking the Aliyah, and then when they, the Torah reading finishes, there might be a bit of choreography of touching and kissing the Torah where it was finished, and then this last paragraph of blessings, both of which really speak to chosenness and the gift of Torah. So that's the that's the Torah blessings, a set of Torah blessings. On the next page are all of the different Mishaberach. Not it's not exhaustive, but a lot of the different Mishaberachs. Last week we talked about how Mishaberach is a formula. The one who, me, just means the one who or who, but in this case the one who, She Berach, who caused blessing to go upon. Avotenu, our ancestors, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, who Yivarech, may they bless, meaning also bless. And then we fill in a person's name. Here, the formulas are for just coming up for the Torah. We don't do that in our congregation. But as I was describing last week, in some congregations, every person who comes up for an Aliyah 
gets a Mishaberach for having come for an Aliyah. That's really nice. It's a nice tradition. Um, there are other occasions on which people get Aliyot to the Torah and afterwards get a special Mishaberach, maybe on an anniversary, maybe here for an Ufruf, people about to be married, maybe for a baby naming, there's a special Mishaberach. But often when people say Mishaberach during the Torah service, what they are referring to when they say Mishaberach, what they're referring to uh, is a, um, a a kind of um, blessing called the also known as Mishaberach Lecholim, uh, the one uh, who blessed our ancestors also please bless those who are in need of healing in our community. Uh, and that is found here on the next page, on page 69. And these first ones would be if we were just saying the blessing for one individual person. But in most communities, including ours, we go right to the one that says all right here. Skip this, skip this, go right to the all. May they bless and also heal. And at Kolacholim, and we usually say Hazot, but you could say actually the name of the congregation. And then usually, right here, we insert a bunch of names in our congregation. We line up in person when we're in person uh, to have the person, the Gabbai who is saying this blessing, actually repeat names after them. We also have a Misha Barach for a Bar Mitzvah, a Bar Mitzvah on a weekday. Those are here too. Lots of different occasions. There's also well-being of mother after childbirth, parents after newborn daughter, mother after newborn daughter, naming of a newborn son, all different formulas. The Mishaberach Lecholim, the blessing for those who are ill, usually happens between the second and third Aliyah. After the third Aliyah is done, we do the Chatzik Kaddish. And the Chatzik Kaddish is done. We invite the congregation to rise for that. We say the Chatzik Kaddish, usually either the Torah reader or the second Gabbai, that, that second person's up at the Torah on stage right house left uh, that person might say it or the Torah reader might and the tune for this is the one that we know from Friday night it was originally taken from here comes from here so we say that we finished and then the person who is going to lift the Torah, the Magbiya or Magbiha, and the Golel or Golelet, the person who's going to wrap it, they are going to immediately go to, to wrapping it. This means that before Chatzy Kaddish, the first Gabbai will actually call those people to their honor. Right? So if you're lifting or wrapping the Torah, or, um, and that's your honor that morning, you're going to be called up, Ya'amod or Ta'amod, Hamagbiha Ha'golelet, whatever, and when you're called, you have to wait through Chatzik Kaddish to actually do your duty. Finish Chatzik Kaddish, lift it. We sing along at that moment. Vizot HaTorah Asher Samoshe Lifnei Bnei Yisrael Al Pi Adonai Biyad Moshe. Great history of that line. Yeah, Annie. Can you explain about the pinky thing? I ask Rabbi Klickfeld to give you his explanation of the pinky thing. There are many, many different theories about why people do it, but you don't have to. Okay, that was not helpful with that. I know, it's really not helpful because there's no single explanation and they are all midrashic. There's, there's, it's, a, it's a custom. I will be happy to look up several of the explanations for you as to why people do it. I don't. Nobody in my family does it, so I don't do it. But some congregations, they lift a pinky when this is done, when the Torah is lifted. 
Um, great. If it is a special fast day, you're told to go to page 74 because you're skipping over a little bit of liturgy, okay? And going straight to a Haftorah. Haftorah is done very, very rarely on weekdays. There are very few weekdays when Haftorah is read, but not none, okay? Not not none. Um, so when it is not one of those special days, uh, then we go to the following liturgy on page 72. While the Torah is being wrapped, the Gabbai at the Torah or the person who is leading Torah service, who might be a different person than the Gabbai, reads this liturgy. All of these paragraphs up to this last one, which many people join in. Might be familiar. Some people know it as a song. It's a beautiful song. Um, may all of our brothers and sisters, all of the house of Israel, the ones who are in suffering and oppression, may they be delivered soon from it. May God be merciful on them. So those paragraphs are done in many traditional settings and skipped in other non-traditional settings. If Tachnun isn't said, this isn't said. The next page before the Torah is put away, I want to talk about a little bit. So there is a memorial prayer in Jewish tradition that is first recited at a funeral. If you're at a funeral and there's a chapel service that comes before the burial, the first time that you'll hear El Male Rachamim, which is a, um, which is a, a straight memorial prayer for the deceased that we insert their name into. The first time you'll hear it is in the chapel. And then you'll hear it again at the graveside once the person is, uh, is buried. What other occasions do we say El Male's on? On your side. Great, on Yartzai. We'll get to that in a minute. When else? Say it at the Shloshim. Some people say it at the Shloshim. It's actually rare to say it at Shloshim, but yes, some people do say it at the Shloshim. I learned that this year, actually. I learned that there's somebody who had a tradition of saying it at our shul. When else could we say it? Think about memorial services in general. When else do we do memorial services congregationally? Go. Yeah, go for it, Steve. Yisker. Yisker, really good. So Yisker we do several times a year on, on holidays, on Yom Kippur and, and on the festivals. And at Yisker services, we recite El Male and we recite it collectively. Sometimes we add in one for the Shoah. That's what we do in our community. And we also do for all the deceased members of the community. Also, there are some people who have a tradition of saying El Male whenever they visit a gravesite. My grandfather actually used to go and visit relatives in the uh, in the cemetery in Syracuse, and he would bring his little pocket door with him, and he would recite Malays over each of the graves. Uh, it's customary and lovely and does not um, require that you have a minion there to say it. So it's, it's a nice uh, custom to say that then. Normally, though, to go back to what Jackie suggested earlier, I think it was you, Jackie, uh, we say these on yard sites. We say them on the anniversary of the Hebrew date of death. 
but it's not necessarily done exactly on the Hebrew date of death because El Males, when they're done in the context of a service and not at a gravesite, are done in the presence of a Torah after the Torah is wrapped, right? Lifted, wrapped, and then in the presence of that Torah, we say El Male. So uh, it, it doesn't have to be so, right? It's not actually as hard and fixed as that, but we typically say it in the presence of a Torah after it's finished being read. So on Mondays and on Thursdays, we say El Male Rachamims, unless just like with Tachanun, as we talked about in several of their services, there are special celebratory days on which we do not do El Males, right? So unless it's roadblocked by one of those days when we do not say El Males, then we do say it on Mondays and on Thursdays and also at Shabbat Mincha each week in addition to that. When somebody has a yard site that falls not on one of those days, they're encouraged to go and say Male on the Torah reading service day that's closest to that yard site. Some people do it on the preceding Shabbat afternoon or preceding day of the week, and some people wait to the following one. There are also times of the year, like the entire month of Nisan, when we refrain from saying El Male, right? That's when Pesach falls. So if you have somebody who has a yard site during those days, people will come on the very next week when we are saying Malays again, and we'll have a Malay said then after that window of time passes. The person who recites the Malay might be the individual who's saying Kaddish for them, so to speak, right? Might be a Karov, might be a, a somebody who is a close relative of that person, or the person who's leading the service can say it, right? We sometimes have a pile of names in our community that we're saying Malay for on that day. And then we would say, Molly, on behalf of, you know, whoever would have said it for them. Any questions about Molly, how it functions, who says it? And it's one of those funny things, just speaking of navigating services, where you think the services are almost over, but maybe you didn't know that seven people had Malays to say that morning. And in our community, we also have this beautiful custom where we invite people to say something about their relative, to, to recall one memory about their the person for whom they're saying male and uh even if it's just one brief memory it can take a minute so yeah it it's something to really something to really think about um okay so we'll skip over these blessings for haftorah because like i said it's done on very very rare days most weekdays we do not recite a prayer for the country or a prayer for israel or a prayer for peace um so they're here. That's lovely. We don't do those usually on weekdays in our community. And then we hand the Torah back to whomever is leading Torah service. Everyone rises because the Torah is standing up. And we sing Yahalaluit, Shem Adonai, Kiniskav, Shem Olavado. March around again, non-COVID times, and we can march and we say the psalm for the day. And then, uh, not for the day, sorry, psalm for weekdays that we say here. All right. So this is actually the same as the psalm for Monday happens to be. And uh, this is coincidence. It doesn't mean a thing. And then we go to page 77. Okay. And um, and then we finish the service with Eitz Chaim He. And then we put the Torah away. And just like it were any other day of the week, a non-Torah reading day, we go to Ashrei after that to conclude the service. Any questions on how the Torah service proceeds and what we do on those Torah service days? Anything feel like it's missing? Just uh, 
real quick on the the eights Chaim he uh, sometimes people do it at they, they do the kila kach tov and sometimes they start at eights Chaim he is there something behind that or is that just whatever you want to do just where the tune starts and in any case most days on weekdays people don't actually sing a congregational melody to it because if you're getting to the end of Torah service, time is running out for the morning, feeling like it's getting a long morning. So usually people will just do, please be seated. It's Ashrei, right? On a, on a Shabbat or festival morning, you'll probably get either a nice singing there or starting at and that just depends on where the melody starts great question on Purim this is where we would read Megillat Esther all right we're going to talk about Rosh Chodesh though because today has been Rosh Chodesh so it's perfect timing for us to talk about it welcome to Kislev uh, in the month of Hanukkah and my Hebrew birthday uh, we are going to talk a little bit about special things that we do on um on Rosh Chodesh. So on Rosh Chodesh, there are a couple of things that are added to the service and a few things that are left out. The stuff that's left out, listen to last week's episode because I talked about when we leave little pieces of the service, just little bits of the liturgy that we skip over when it's Rosh Chodesh. We don't do Tachanun and we don't do little pieces at the conclusion of the service. We also add in that paragraph, Yale Viavo in the middle of the Shacharit Amidah, which I showed you when we went through the Shacharit Amidah. There's a paragraph in there, both recited privately and also in the repetition that acknowledges the new month. It's the same paragraph we use during Chol Hamoed, during the intermediate days of the festivals. Everything I'm about to say about what we do on Rosh Chodesh also applies during the intermediate days of the festivals. And I'm going to point out to you the one difference between those two, which is kind of interesting and important to know when navigating the service. So I'm going to ask you to kind of roll back in your books, and you're going to go back to page 47, I believe. Hang on. Did I get that right? I'm actually going to have you go back to page 48. Nope, 49. There it is, 49. Okay. Um. Most of the time when we start shah, uh, start Hallel, which is comes at the end of Shachari, it comes at the end of the repetition of the Amidah, if we've done a repetition of the Amidah, we finish it and we go to Hallel. Okay? Apologies that these last couple classes is not straightforwardly, uh, chronologically going through the service. But um, we are, we're going straight to um, page forty. Nine, because we're pretending for just a moment that's the one exceptional time that we don't start actually at the beginning of Hallel with a blessing. And that is when it's a weekday during Sukkot. So when Sukkot has weekdays, intermediate days that are weekdays, the first couple of days of Sukkot and the end of Sukkot are Yom Tov. So we're not even in this Sidor. But on the interim days, we're in weekday prayer books and we have a Lulav. Right, a set of greens and an etrog, the citron. And we take those and there's actually a, a choreography to the way that we take them up even before we start Hallel. And then there are points during Hallel where we also utilize them in choreography. We do not take up the lulav and etrog on, uh, on Shabbat. We do on Yom Tov, but not on Shabbat. So let me separate those two things out. The lulav and etrog are used 
on Yom Tov and on weekdays, but not on Shabbat. Okay. But what we're talking about right now, because we're in the weekday Sidor, are only the non-Yom Tov days of Sukkot, which all have Lulav and Etrog used on them. Okay, that makes sense? I hope I got that straight. So then in the middle of the page here, you have the first of two blessings, which is what you do when you hold your etrog in your left hand, you hold your lulav in your right hand, you hold your hands close together, you hold the etrog first facing down, and then you recite this blessing. You finish with all natilat lulav upon the lifting up of the lulav. Notice it's the same word as the blessing for hand washing because the hand washing blessing is really on lifting up our hands after we wash them, just as the priests would do since we are preparing our hands to manage the chalot on our table as if they were the offerings on an altar. That is why we bless our hands on the tilat yadayim, on the lifting up of our hands. And that's why the blessing is on the tilat lulav, on the, the, the teal tool, the handling, the lifting up of the lulav. Okay. So that's the formula for this blessing. Then we do a, um, a if it's our first time, then we recite Shechianu. We flip around our uh, our etrog to hold it in the correct way. We hold it down before we say the blessing. And then oh, we said the blessing, we can do the action. That's how blessings work when they're not in the middle of, when they're not blessings in the middle of a sandwich of liturgy, blessings have to do with action. And we do the blessing, then we say the, we say the blessing, then we do the action. So you flip it. And then uh, if it's the first time we add Shekhyanu, and then we shake and we shake in several directions. We shake three times forward, three times right, three times behind us, three times to our left, three times above, three times down. That all takes place before Hallel. We might do that as a whole congregation, especially the first day of the intermediate days. You might have instructions from the person up front. And it might be the case that if it's already, let's say the first two days of, of the holiday were Yom Tov. So this is already day three of saying, uh, of holding the Lulav. People might just do this page privately, right? They pick up their Lulav, they kind of get their, their Lulav all set up and their Etchog, and then they just sort of do this page privately. Some congregations, everyone does this page together. Some people just do it privately, and then we start Hallel. Any questions on that? That's only applicable something like four to five days of the year. So, okay. Then we're going to go to the beginning of Hallel. Whether it's the intermediate days of Sukkot or Pesach, or it's Rosh Chodesh, or it's Hanukkah, we do Hallel starting on this page. We say this blessing. The reader says it first in the Nusach for Hallel. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kiddushanu B'Mitzvotav, V'Hitzivanu Likroet HaHalel. The congregation says Amen, and then they repeat it. And it doesn't have to be perfect Nusach. You can just say it. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kiddushanu B'Mitzvotav, Likroet You can just say it to yourself kind of privately. And then we do the Psalms of Hallel. Halal is made up of psalms and a little poem. It's just psalms. So we start here. It's actually made up of psalms that are often split into two. And I'm going to show you how that functions. So this is Psalm 113 begun, okay, right here. And then you might have the person who's leading lead in a whole uh a whole, the whole thing in a melody, right? Maybe they're doing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. They start at the beginning and they go all the way through. 
Or they might begin, hallelujah, hallelujah, de Adonai, and then whisper, whisper, whisper until we get to Mikimi. Mikimi And then we do that nusach all the way through the end of this. Hallelujah. And we turn to page 51. When we get to page 51, we're on Psalm 114. Okay. This is Psalm 114 is Bitzit Yisrael. There's a couple of really popular melodies. So most of the time, you'll either have somebody start Bitzit Yisrael Mitzrayim or Bitzit Yisrael Mitzrayim. Okay. One or the other. Those are pretty much the top two that are selected, but not the only ones that are out there. And then they finish going through that whole psalm. Most of the time, you're going to get that whole psalm done out loud. No choreography, even if it's Sukkot on this or on the next one. I want you to pay attention to something weird on this page. Can you tell here in your books or on the screen, can you tell that this is smaller? <laughs> so this is because there are two types of hollow. There's full hollow, and then there is hollow bedilug, which means skipping, okay? And... What that means is certain times we do a chazi halal, right? A half halal, but halal bedilug is really the way we refer to it. And sometimes we do a full halal. When it's Rosh Chodesh or the last six days of Pesach, we only do half a halal. The only exception to that is when it's Rosh Chodesh and Hanukkah. If it's a weekday, right? Rosh Chodesh will fall in Hanukkah. And if it's a weekday, then we're in this Sidor and doing a full hollow. If it's a Shabbat, we're in the Shabbat Sidor and doing hollow. That, by the way, is really fun when Shabbat, Hanukkah, Rosh Chodesh fall together. It's the longest possible uh, Birkat HaMazon, all the insertions. Okay, It's also very long davening, um, but not the longest Shabbat possible davening. That There are versions of that that are pretty darn long. I, anyway, so... The second half of this page is only done if it is Chol Hamoed Sukkot or if it's Rosh Chodesh on Hanukkah in the Sidor. Because the other examples of doing full Hallel are on actual Yom Tovs. And if it's Yom Tov, we're not in the Sidor. Does that make sense? Right? The Sidor is not designed for days that are actually Yom Tov. This is designed for weekday davening. Does that logic make sense to everybody? And the Sidor is only designed for weekday davening. So the only times this can happen where we actually do the full Hallel are those exceptional days. Most of the time when we're in weekday davening, we're doing a half Hallel, a Hallel Bedilug, a skippy Hallel. So we're doing the top of this page through um, and then we're going to the next page to 52. Then we get to the second half of the psalm. So the first half of that psalm is the first half that we skipped right here. Second half of Psalm 115, I think it's 115. 115 is the half that we do. And also a very popular melody. Super popular tune and therefore often done all the way through and out loud. Uh, and if we're skipping, then we're skipping the bottom half of the page. If we're not skipping, then we're doing uh, then we're doing the full bottom of the page as well. That's the first half of Psalm 116. 
And now to the second half of Psalm 116, which we actually do even when we're doing a skipping hollow. Okay, big font. We do it every time. There are a couple melodies to Mashiv Adonai, but often you'll hear people skip those melodies because by the time you get here, if you've sung B'tzit Yisrael and Adonai Zechran Yivarech, people are like, guys, it's weekday. I got to go to work or school or whatever. So uh, so often you'll hear people skip it on a weekday and we finish the psalm and then we get to Hallelujah Et Adonai Kol HaGoyim, which is a piece of Psalm 117. And then we get to Psalm 118. I want to talk about it first on any time but Sukkot, and then I'll mention Sukkot. When it's not Sukkot, the way that this psalm is done is an enormous machloket. And interestingly, that machloket, which means an argument, right, a disagreement between rabbinic voices usually, that disagreement happens to be a split disagreement with two voices of people who are both related to each other and in our congregation. So Rabbi Elliot Dorf has one opinion and had one opinion in writing about this on the law committee. Rabbi Adam Klickfeld has a different opinion. So it kind of depends on what minion you're in, what you wind up doing. This is a fun little thing that we have preserved in our community. Both are wonderful concepts. I'm going to explain them right now. One, I won't get into the whole halachic history of this. One, I will not tell you which one, argues that when we sing this song, the leader should do the first line and then the congregation should repeat that line. The leader should do the second line and then the congregation should repeat that line. Right? So every line that the leader does, the congregation repeats that line. The other of the two of them believes that you should always have the congregation reciting Hodu Ladonai Kitov Kileolam Chasto as the refrain. So the leader does Hodu Ladonai Kitov Kileolam Chasto, and the congregation responds Hodu Ladonai Kitov Kileolam Chasto. The leader says Yomar Na Yisrael Kileolam Chasto, and the congregation responds again Hodu Ladonai Kitov Kileolam Chasto. Both have really interesting uh, arguments in their camp. <coughs> Why does it matter? Well, it matters for an interesting reason if it's of interest to you that you want to be yotze, um, that you want to have fulfilled your obligation to say the words of the prayer that you intend to say. So the question is, is every individual person required in their individual davening, if they're reciting Hallel individually, to say every single one of these lines of the psalm? I think both of them, I know both of them would say yes, but that when we're in community, that we're under a different obligation. One would say you're obligated to say every line of the psalm, even when you're in community with each other. And the other would say, no, when you're in this setup where you're in community and you're saying hollow with a community, the person who's leading has one role and the people who are, are responding have a different role. So the question is, do you actually have an individual obligation to say every line of the psalm or not. So it's only interesting if you're interested in what am I supposed to be saying as a real question with davening. Okay, thank you. We always do this. <laughs> we always uh, we always recite Mina Meitzar through Pete Huli. Sometimes we sing parts of it. Happens to have Ozi Vizimratia in the middle of it, which is a quote from um, from the from Shiratayam from the Song of the Sea. And then, oh, sorry, let me back up just a second. I forgot about something I said I was going to mention. Backing up to page 53 for one moment, there is choreography here. 
that involves the Lulav and Etrog. We're not going to go over it in detail right now, but there's choreography that actually does differ for the person leading and uh, for the congregation, slightly different. And so you follow the lead of the person who's leading at that time. We always remind you of the instructions when we get to Sukkot. Uh, now we're on 54. We do all of Mina Metzar through Pitchuli. And then we get to the bottom of the page and we do recite all. Oh, that was fun. We recite all of the these each of these verses twice. And that happens always, whether we are in the congregation and doing this congregationally or doing this as individuals. We always say each of these lines twice. We always recite these lines twice. Then we have another congregational setup. If we were praying this individually, I'd just say each of these lines. But we always repeat each of these individual lines after the leader. And there is some choreography with a lulav and etrog on, on, on uh, Sukkot. So the leader says, Anna Adonai Hoshiana, and the congregation repeats, Anna Adonai Hoshiana. Anna Adonai Hoshiana, Anna Adonai Hoshiana, Anna Adonai Hatzlichana, Anna Adonai Hatzlichana, Anna Adonai Hatzlichana, Anna Adonai Hatzlichana. And then again, a setup where we have four verses, and we recite each of these verses twice, always. Okay? And then one final paragraph. The final paragraph is Yahalalucha.'" followed by a blessing. We start Hallel with a blessing. We end Hallel with a blessing. Fun fact, since I like us to go into intermediate territory for some people who feel really confident on this stuff already, okay? Um, if you if you feel um, really confident on this and you want to level up, don't worry about this, but I just want to share this interesting tidbit with you that typically speaking, we want the person who's leading Shacharit to also be the person who is saying hollow. So typically speaking, the person who's leading Shachri should be Baal or Baalat Halal also. It's part and parcel of Shachri. That is the normative setup is to have the person who is leading Shachri do hollow. But if the person who is leading um, Shachri doesn't or can't do hollow, or to say it a different way, there's someone who really wants to do Hallel but is not going to do Shachri. That person can do uh, can do Hallel on its own, but the person who's leading Shachri should say the Hatzi Kaddish that comes before this and the Kaddish Shalem that goes after Hallel. So that person is responsible for the Kaddishes that bookend it. And Hallel can come in between. So you can have somebody step in to do all of, of Hallel. The ideal situation, though, is that the person who's leading Shachri is leading Hallel. It shouldn't be a switch of leaders there. But sometimes it is. The last thing that I want to show you is at the end of Uvalitzion. Actually, I want to show it to you a different way. I'm going to show it to you this way. Um, at the end uh, of that little close of the service. Um, right here. Okay. So it's the second page of the, right. You, we get to the Siyum HaTefila on page uh, 78. We do Ashrei, we do Lam Natseach, unless it's Rosh Chodesh, we're not doing it. So I guess we're not doing it on our imagined Rosh Chodesh day. And then we do Uvalitzion, these two pages. When we finish here, we don't go right to concluding services. We add in Musaf for Rosh Chodesh. Tefillin is removed at this time. We take off our Tefillin at this time on Rosh Chodesh because it's sort of this Benoni in-between category of, of a day. And at that point, as we move towards Musaf, we no longer want to be wearing our accoutrement for the weekday. So we're going to take that off. Usually, 
people take it off, but don't do a full careful wrap because we don't want to take that much time. We don't want it to be a tircha. We don't want to do burden. So people just sort of take off their tefillin in the right order, right? Unwrap their hand, take off their head, and then loosely wrap it, quickly take off the arm, loosely wrap it, set it aside, and then we turn to the Musaf Amidah. Does that make sense? Anyone have any questions about that? Yeah, Jackie. Just because you brought up weekday and Sukkot, mm-hmm. among people who wear tefillin on Chalamai and Sukkot, would do that before Hollow? Or in the same spot. Would take off their tefillin? Tefillin, yeah. I believe that the answer to that is that they take off their tefillin in this spot. Okay. Also, I haven't heard of taking it off at Hallel, but maybe that's a tradition. I don't I don't wear, I don't... I, I don't wear tefillin on on, uh, on Moed, so I'm a poor... I'm a poor answer it on the spot person for this one, but I will, I will check on that. I'm pretty sure that the answer is that they would remove it here as well. I also don't wear tefillin on Sukkot, so I also have no idea. Right, so we're referring to this idea that there's a custom among uh, usually Sephardim not to wear tefillin, actually, on Cholom Moed, but certain people have taken this on. Um, and because people, um, some people do wear it, the question is, when would they take it off? I believe also in this spot. So on Rosh Chodesh and also on Cholom Moed, we moved to doing um, Musaf at this point. Uh, and Chabadix, maybe Chassidim. Yes, I think that that is probably where all this came in. Um, and uh, we go to Musaf. So Musaf is found on page. On click on this. There we go. That's really funny. That doesn't want to. Oh, maybe I'm too zoomed out. There we go. Um, Musaf is found on page 103. It starts with a Chatzi Kaddish for Musaf. And uh, there are lots of different Nuschaot that can be used for this, but they're always going to end with. Because that is the Shalosh Agalim and Rosh Chodesh Nusach. And that's what we're going to switch to partway into the Amidah. So if you're doing a full repetition, then right after this Chatzi Kaddish, you can go into the silent Amidah, right? So you, this Chatzi Kaddish is said, sometimes they start Chatzi Kaddish before I even have my tefillin off. And then when uh, there's a whole thing about that in our minion that we try to do it in a polite way. And then when we finish Chatzikadish, we go right into our own whispered private Amidah. That's assuming that we're not doing a Hechi Kedusha there, right? That we're doing a full repetition of this Amidah. So we do a full whispered uh, version. We come back for the repetition of it. The person who's leading us is going to start on page 104. And they're going to lead us starting in weekday Nusach. This is not for you to know necessarily unless you're planning on leading Rosh Chodesh Musaf or Cholmud Musaf based on this class. But happy to walk you through it if you're more curious about it. But it begins in weekday Nusach. It begins with Baruch Atah Adoshem Elokeinu Velokei Avoteinu Elokei Avraham Elokei Yitzchak Velokei Yaakov. Begins weekday because it's a regular weekday Amidah until it's not right. So it begins like that. We go into a Kedusha that sounds a lot like a weekday Shacharit Kedusha. It's not a fancy pants Kedusha like on Shabbat. It's a simple Kedusha. It begins with Nikadesh, not Naritzcha. Nikadesh, Shimcha, Bolam. We put our feet together for that, right? Because we've already done our own private Amidah. We're just coming with our feet together. Same rules apply as the previous Amidah. Take it easy for that first page. Get yourself together, standing feet together for this page for Kedusha. We do it responsively, just like we do at the Kedushas I discussed earlier. And when the the 
uh, person leading gets to the Yimloch line, they're going to switch to the Nusach for Rosh Chodesh and for uh, Shalosh Regalim for the three festivals, and they'll switch at Yimloch. Yimloch Adonai Leolam, Elohaich Zion Lidor Vador, Hallelujah. And then what do you do if you're a member of the congregation and not leading at that point? We've already done our whispered private Amidas. We just did the Kedusha and the repetition. Now what do you do? Shmooze. Absolutely, Jackie. You sit down, you sit yourself down and you schmooze and you listen to the person doing Rosh Chodesh Musaf rustily because no one is excellent at doing Rosh Chodesh Musaf on weekdays because no one does it. I mean, not no one, but almost nobody is like the one person who does it every time. And it only comes up once a month at, at most. And it's very tongue trippy. So you can just listen to the person leading finding their way through it as best as possible. I got in pretty good, but that's because I went to school for it. So if you're, it's Rosh Chodesh, you actually go to the next page. It tells you right here. Again, if you're just in the congregation at this point, you can sit back and relax. But when you're doing it privately, the instruction is right here. If it's Rosh Chodesh, thanks for writing it in Hebrew with no vowels for the people who don't know what's going on. When it's Rosh Chodesh, continue on page 106. And if it's Cholam if it's the intermediate days of a holiday, we continue on 110. Right? So there are two different ways that this could continue. They're just trying to make the Sidor lighter and more concise this way. Starting in the same place, but they split off here. So if it's Rosh Chodesh, we go to the next page. And it's all about Rosh Chodesh, right? It's a Musaf about Rosh Chodesh and the Rosh Chodesh offering. So the first top of the page is, is uh, the first top, the top of the page is all uh, the traditional liturgy. The bottom of the page omits mentions of sacrifices, because one of the things that the Sidor does is give you alternatives, as, as do all of the RA publications, basically, in terms of the, the edited Sidorim, in case you don't feel like mentioning sacrificial offerings in your Musafs, then you don't have to, right? Your Musafim can be without Musafim. You can mention no sacrifices if you want to. So if you're doing traditional liturgy, you finish here, and you continue on to the next page. And... Come now, friend. Why doesn't it want to? There we go. Then 107, we, uh, uh, Does that sound familiar to anyone? Is that familiar? When else do we say this? It's almost the exact same formulation. Yeah, do you... we say, um, in the Birkat kind of Mazan? Close, so close. It is another birkat. Is it the blessing of the new month on yes. the Shabbat before? The announcement preceding <laughs> the new month has this formulation as well. Okay? And that's called birkat hachodesh, the blessing of the new month to come. So we use almost the same formula. God, bless the new month. Bless us in this new month for good and for blessing, for joy and for gladness, for savingness and for comfort and for parnasa, like for money. Um, it's, it's asking for all the blessings of a new month. And there's a special insertion that we say up until the second month of Adar, if it's a leap year. If you got a really savvy Gabbai, they'll remind you to do that in your own private Amidah, right? And then, wait a minute, 
Ritze. What does that mean? What does that tell us? Oh, it's coming to the end part again. That's it, Denise. We're we're at the end of the Amidah. We're wrapping it up. And this is identical liturgy to every other Amidah ever. Okay? This is it. Ritzei, V'techazena, Modim, as we went through before. V'al Kulam, V'chol Priestly blessing. If it's in the repetition, then they're going to lead us in the priestly blessing. And then Musaf always ends with Sim Shalom. Okay? Shacharit. And Musaf Amidaz, whether weekday or not. I don't think I've gone through this point before with you. Shacharit and Musaf. Shacharit and Musaf are the only times when we say Sim Shalom at the end of the Amidah. The rest of our Amidahs end with Shalom Rav in that same place. Okay? So we either get Sim Shalom or Shalom Rav. Shacharit and Musaf are Sim Shalom. Every other recitation of an Amidah is a Shalom Rav. They're both prayers for peace. And that ends our Amidah. And then we go back to our regularly scheduled program of Kadi Shalem, Alenu, and then Psalms for the Day and Mourner's Kaddish, with the addition that on Rosh Chodesh, not Cholmoed, but on Rosh Chodesh, there's an extra psalm. And it's very long, <laughs> but it's an extra song for Rosh Chodesh. And that's weekday morning davening. There's some exceptional stuff we didn't go through. I'm not going to go through every single inch of it because I don't think it teaches you to navigate it so well because those exceptions will be announced if they're rare exceptions, if you're going to do a Vina Malkano, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. I want to take two minutes to speak with you very specifically to one issue. And then I want to switch over to doing some, uh, some Mariv. So I, I want to speak to the issue of uh, what davening on mornings looks like right now in COVID, right? If you were to join the morning services right now, I want to speak to, to what we do and don't do there. We do all of Birkoda Shachar, except Kaddish to Rabbanon. We do all of Pesuke de Zimra. And then when we get to Shacharit, we skip Chatzik, Kaddish, and Baruch And when we get to the end of Shacharit, uh, at Ga'al Yisrael moving into the Amidah, we only do a whispered private Amidah. We don't do uh, a repetition. We don't do Hechi Kedusha. We just do one whispered private Amidah. And when that finishes, we do a special edition of an extra prayer for the pandemic. We go to the conclusion of the service stuff, skipping all Kaddishes, Chatzi and Kaddishalem. And then after Aleinu, Sorry, I skipped one thing that after um, I skipped, I skipped two pieces of liturgy that we add in addition to the prayer for the pandemic, we add a Vina Malkenu and we add a special psalm. Okay? That's not for you to memorize. It's just that those extra prayers are added and those pages are announced. We skip Chatzik Kaddish and Kaddish Shalem, but do the regular conclusion of the service, those couple of pages ostracized it to the end. And then when we get to Mourner's Kaddish, we actually say Mourner's Kaddish and one person is unmuted to do it. So that's how it's handled in COVID. We're skipping the things that are highlighted in red. We're skipping the Devarim Shabik Dusha. Okay? Except for Mourner's Kaddish. That keeps it tight. And adding a couple of extra prayers because we're really sad that we're stuck in this situation. So we're praying for extra Yeshua, extra salvation, extra, you know, help. That's pandemic times. Any questions about that? And pandemic and... Okay. All right. Should we look at Marif? Let's do it. I think you guys are going to be so excited because 
we're going to recognize some patterns. So what we're going to do is spend the next 10 minutes or so looking through it together. Right? We're just going to look through. We're going to browse through and see what we notice together. Right? The next week, we'll start over with a new skeleton for it, and we'll go through it really carefully. So give me a moment to open it up. All right, I'll share the screen. We're on page 120. So what does Mincha start with? Ashray. Great. It starts with Ashray. What does it... Oh, sorry, I said we were going to start with Mariv, not Mincha, didn't I? And then I misspoke. And then I went to Mincha in the afternoon. I meant to go to Mariv. Let me go to Mariv. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But great answer. Um, I shared the wrong screen and then it got me too excited about... Sorry. But great answer and correct. We start with Ashray. This is going to be a great comparative. Okay. Okay. Now let's do it. Now what does... Mariv start with on page 137. It's a little introductory line and then Barachu. Right? Excellent. So the call to worship is how we start at Mariv. So we do Vahurachum. We start with a call to worship with Barachu. And then does anybody remember or have your skeleton open? Does anyone remember what the pattern of, of blessings is? What we're getting to, if you flip ahead... If you flip ahead to the next page, to 138, what are we getting to? What's this? The Shema. The Shema. So we have two blessings before it. Page 137, we have the two blessings right before the Shema. So... Or Hadash and Ahavah Exactly. Just like Shachrit. But it's even... Do you see how it's even tighter? You notice how we talked about it, Shachrit, that it's even tighter than it is on Shabbat morning, that on Shabbat morning, we also have Eladon and other additions, right? It's slightly longer. But here, we just have, we got it even tighter than a weekday morning, because it's nighttime, we got to be fast. And so we have one paragraph that ends with Hama'ariv um, Aravim, which is about what? Getting dark. Right. Who, who evenings the evening. Right, God who brings that right, umavir yom umavi laila, and who causes the day to pass and brings the night, umavdil ben yom vein laila, and differentiates between day and night, which is all about, or, right, it's all about light. It is about the great lights in the heaven and light passing from the day. Second one, the blessing is exactly the same as in the morning. Baruch atad Hashem, El Ohev Amo Yisrael. Right. Great. And then, oh, in the morning, it's right? Yeah, slightly different, but exact same theme. Love for the people of Israel. Even more succinct. And then, Shema. Is the Shema abbreviated at all here? Take a look in your book or on the screen. Up to you. No. There's no abbreviation in the Shema. That's it. Shema is three paragraphs, and it's always three paragraphs, and those are the three paragraphs you do, and that's it. And then we have a paragraph that begins with the word, what's this here? Anyone read that word? Emet. Emet. Remember that we also had emet in the morning, right? We go to, to a paragraph about emet, but it's different. And this one is longer or shorter? Probably shorter. Definitely shorter. And then it ends in the same thing as the morning, sort of, with, what's this here? Mi. Mi chamocha. Mi chamocha by And then remember I pointed out to you that in the morning time, we have... Shira Chadasha, 
a new song. And here we have Malchutecha Ra'uvanecha, Bokei Yamlif Moshe. And then we end with Vneemar and Ga'al Yisrael. Same as the morning. Identical. But we don't go directly into the Amidah. We actually have two buffers in the evening time, right? Because we don't have this thing where we need to be Samuch or we need to be smushing the Ga'al Yisrael right into the Amidah. So we have two things. First, we have an added evening paragraph. We have Hashkivenu. And this is a watch over us at nighttime. Nighttime is scary. God prayer. We'll look at it in more detail next week. And it ends with a blessing. Shomer. Amo Yisrael La'ad. What's Shomer? Guard. What's that? To guard. To guard. Yeah. Good. A Shomer is a guard. It's actually a noun. Or uh, And here, Shomer is God guards or is the guardian of. Amo Yisrael Lad forever, his people Israel forever. And then we get this extended blessing, which is not said in Israel and is only said in the United States, uh, outside of the land. And it is a really long extended blessing that we'll take a look at next week in detail. Skip it for now. Don't worry about it. Some congregations do skip it entirely. And then we get a Chatzik Kaddish. We do not have a Chatzik Kaddish on... Um, on weekday mornings, right? We go straight from Gal Yisrael into the uh, into the Amidah, and here in the evening time, we go to uh, Chatzik Kaddish. Actually, separates between us and the Amidah, and then the Amidah. Is there a repetition of the Amidah in the evening? Well, where Annie grew up, yes, right. We talked about this a little bit, I think, last week or the week before that. There are some congregations, particularly Reform and Reconstructionist congregations, who always do some sort of a repetition of the Amidah out loud, even in the evening time. Traditionally speaking, we never do any of the Amidah out loud in the evening. It's only done once and privately for two reasons. One has to do with wanting to get through the service faster. And two has to do with the category that Mari falls into, which I'll say more about next week, which is Reshut. Do you remember me mentioning Reshut as an idea in a different Sidor class at all, or Machsor? What is Reshut? It actually has two meanings. One is a category of poetry, right? A shoot could be a, a, a kind of a blessing asking for something openly from God. And two is it's just in a category of uh, optional is the best translation I can think of, right? It's you have permission to do it or not do it. But it has to, the word has to do with permissibility. And then we do our private Amidah, which is identical, except for no large Kedusha. It's identical to the morning Amidah. There is no difference. And then when we finish it, we go to, what's this? Kadi Shalem. Right, we wait till everybody's done. We do Kadi Shalem. And then Alenu. Mourner's Kaddish, and that's it. We're done. That is all of Mariv. Barhu, two blessings. Shema, blessing. Hashkivenu, watch over us. Chatzik Kaddish, whispered Amidah into Kaddish Shalem, Aleinu Mourner's Kaddish. Gone. It's really tight. So next week, we're going to look at it a little bit more in depth. We'll talk about the choreography of it, bowing through it, the music of it. A little bit about that idea of reshoot, about the permissibility to do it, not do it, to be continued. Any questions, ideas, thoughts, things you didn't get to ask or say? We got through Shahrit. 
Yay. So, so on this, uh, it's a, it, the, the book says, you know, Marav for weekdays, but Marav on Friday for Kabbalah Shabbat, it's the same. Mariv on Kabbalat Shabbat is Mariv for Shabbat. It is not this. So Mariv for weekdays. Actually, so let's go back to this idea that we talked about way at the beginning. A Jewish day, not just a holiday, but any Jewish day starts in the evening. It just does. It starts at night, right? So weekday, the first weekday Mariv of the week, when is it? Saturday night. Right. Saturday night is the first weekday Mariv of the week. So we have a weekday Mariv on Saturday night, Sunday night into Monday, right? Which is Yom Shani. So Yom Rishon, the first day of the week is Saturday night through Sunday afternoon. Second day of the week, Sunday night through Monday afternoon, right? And so on and so forth. The last weekday Mariv of the week is Thursday night. And Friday night, we're already into Shabbat. So we're not saying weekday Mariv. Even if it hasn't been sundown yet. right? Correct. Because... Even if you're bringing on Shabbat early, which you can do you, to a point, you can bring Shabbat in early, then you're bringing Shabbat in. And then if it's Shabbat, we're not saying a weekday Mariv, right? We're saying uh, a Mariv for Shabbat. What a wonderful question, though, right? What do you do on a, on a Friday night? No matter what, if you're bringing on Shabbat, and um, there are three ways that you can bring on Shabbat. You can bring on Shabbat by candlelighting and and accepting Shabbat by doing that act and saying, now, once these candles are lit, Shabbat. Two is Shabbat can just happen to you, right? Like Shabbat comes and it started and that's Shabbat. And three is that you can pick a place in the liturgy, the latest place in the liturgy that you can pick to start. And it's arguable even even this. uh, The latest place you can pick in the liturgy is the Baruchu of the Friday night Amidah, of of Friday night uh, Mari, rather. Right? You, that's the latest point at which you can take on Shabbat. Once you're in Mari for Shabbat, once you've daven Mari for Shabbat, it's Shabbat. So this gets interesting for like, let's get into the technicals of this for just a second. Let's say we're doing services on the field and I want to drive, right? Me, the rabbi. I, I want to drive because I'm running late and I want to get over to the services on Friday afternoon. So I drive to shul, right? And I lead mincha. And then I lead Kabbalat Shabbat, which is really not a service because there's no Amidah in it, right? So it's just Psalms. And it's not Shabbat yet by the clock. And I haven't lit candles, right? But if I lead Mariv for Shabbat, I'm out. Like I've taken on Shabbat. I can't drive home. Even if we do it really on the early side and Shabbat hasn't happened to me, so to speak, right? So we're like doing it a little bit early. If I lead Mariv, I'm accepting Shabbat on me. If I do Mariv even. But if I'm le- I'm just offering you a, the clear cut example of, you know, the cantor leading services. So, yeah, it, it really is. Uh, it really is a, a point at which we say we take on Shabbat and we daven in the Shabbat prayers. And uh, when we get there, and I think I got there in the last Shabbat Sidor class that I taught. But when we get there in this class, I'm happy to talk about it. Um, we actually do Kiddush in our liturgy. And we do have Dale in our liturgy. So in that Friday night davening, it's considered as if we've already sanctified the day. We've already actually done Kiddushat Shabbat in the Mariv Amidah, right? So there, there really are sweet pieces to this. Like it really is an acceptance of Shabbat once you do it. What a, what a wonderful question and a wonderful point. Great. I continue to love this class and love you for showing up. And thanks for listening if you're listening. 
and see you next time or at the next thing. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.